now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Ms. Kate Flannery. How are you? What's going on? You were just saying you have rain where you are? You got rain in LA. It's always a big deal. They're building the ark. So, yeah. I, I love a rainy day. I, I'm one of those that, like, I could live in Seattle. I could live in London. I would be happy if the sun never shined, honestly. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's good drinking weather, right? I mean, that's my Irish, the Irish in me, right? I, I was just going to say that that's like your Irish gene coming out. I... <laughs> I love a good drink. So, you know, you're, you're preaching to the choir. What have you been up to during COVID? You've been in LA the whole time. Pretty much. Uh, I, I did a little bit of travel this fall. I got to see my dad. I, I, uh, I slept in my friend's garage apartment for two weeks in quarantine and kind of like Fonzie and uh, got to hang with him for three, for three weeks. So I was gone for a little bit, but other than that, I've been here. Uh, I've been, uh, Singing. I've been uh, doing a lot of press, uh, which is crazy. I've done a lot of talk shows from my living room, uh, which is crazy. It's crazy. It's really crazy. It's very strange. It is. I mean, could you imagine like life before like Zoom and Instagram? And I mean, then we would really be isolated. Like, I mean, because I remember life then. Could you, could you imagine? We're like yeah, so weird. Yeah. Life is functioning from our living rooms really true i mean i i actually did seth meyers a, like just a few weeks ago and it was so weird to be in my living room it's just it's crazy but it, it all happened it, it at one point i was like is this a dream this is so weird <laughs> it's like don't you love the entertainment business like they don't miss a beat like there's a world pandemic like i don't know how it's gonna work and within like you know two weeks they figured it all out okay we're gonna just change everything and it's gonna go on yeah, I, it's yeah, it's funny. I did Kelly Clarkson in June and um I, from my living room, and I'm actually going to do it again uh, in a couple of days. It's going to be on St. Patrick's Day, and I, we're actually doing it in person. We're getting tested. We're going to be distanced. So I'm like, okay, whole new level. 
This is oh, gonna wow. Be yeah. Where is, is that in, where's Kelly again? Is she in Nashville? Yeah, Universal in, in LA. So yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, it's in LA. Oh, so that's good. It's like right down the street from you. Where are you from originally? I don't even think I know that. I'm originally from Philadelphia. Uh, I'm one of seven kids, uh, and um, my dad owned a bar. So uh, I come by playing an alcoholic very honestly. I was going to say, like, not to be stereotypical, but like Irish, owning a bar. Hello, and then playing a drunk on NBC's The Office. Hello. Yeah. Seriously. Was it always acting for you growing up? Like, did you ever have, really? Always, always. from the time I was a little kid. I wanted to be a child actor, but my mom was not into it. And I, I'm so grateful to her. Every time I work with a child actor, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. I mean, I love them. They're awesome. But I think it's a bigger burden than I ever could have imagined to be a kid actor. So, you know, I think I was a senior in high school before I had my first professional gig in a dinner theater for like four months. But even that was a lot. You know, you got to be careful. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I mean, look, we all know child actors. It goes one of two ways. Right. Right. There's kind of nothing in between. Yeah. You have like the Alyssa Milano's or the Jodie Foster's who like work straight through and just like are larger than life. And then you have others. Yes. Yes. Who are sort of went back to the hallway or something, the hallway of life. Right. I kind of reset. So they couldn't get. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I studied, uh, uh, theater in college. And then when I got out of college, my aunt, my favorite aunt who lived in Chicago sent me a ticket to check out second city and to stay with her. And that completely changed everything. How so? Like it was just what a great training or. Yeah, it was great training. But the first time I went there, um, I, we figured this out since, but Jane Lynch was understudying for Bonnie Hunt and it was the night that Bonnie, like the day Bonnie Hunt's wedding day. So then she ended up coming back doing the set. And it was just like one of those crazy nights. There were so many people in that room that I ended up working with and knowing and being close to. But it was like one of those strange times where you could, we could all sort of point back to this one day. So I, I got to study there. I worked in, in the touring company. I worked in another theater with Jill Soloway. Uh, oh my gosh, we, we, you know, the rest, as they say, is like, this history in your, in your, in your body, in your mind. I mean, you know, it's like the beginning of, uh, of a great journey. Did you know it? Like, could you feel it at that time that? Yeah. It, it, incrementally, there, there were things that would happen where you're just like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> Who else was in that room that day that like has gone on to be people that we know? Yeah, John Favreau, uh, Mike Myers, um, Jill, Sol- Jill and Faith Salloway. Uh, yeah. Um, of course, Jane Lynch. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so life, life is crazy. And uh, I, I'm kind of a late bloomer because it took me a long time to get my first show. And, um, you know, I, I will say, like, I'm the poster child for just hang in there and just keep plugging away. Did you ever, like, were you always, okay, let's plug away and be positive? Or did you have those days of like, today's a dark day and what the hell am I doing with my life? I had, you know what, I, I did have some dark days, but I felt like I had enough yeses to keep me going through my, um, through my aging process. Because like, at one point I was like, oh, I'm one of the oldest waiters at this restaurant. Oh my God, what am I doing here? Right. I, I could see that. Like when you look around and everyone's like 19 and 20 and they just got off the bus and now here they are trying to be an actor. And you're like, how am I at this age? Yeah. I've been through this and that. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it, 
it is what it is. And I feel like you have to take the yeses. And if you really want to do something, you can't, um, you can't judge if you have to work another job to do. It's not a punishment to have to work two jobs. If you're doing exactly what you want to do, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. You know, like it's such a stereotype, but it's true. Like if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. Right. But it's, I mean, it it did feel like work, but it felt like good work. It felt like satisfying and so many, you know, um, great moments on the way. And you just feel like, okay, I'm, I'm on the right, I'm on the right path. (laughs) Well, that's good. I mean, what about, you know, like if you are, say have colleagues and like they get some big break and you're just like, well, a, I'm probably as talented, and that one over there, I'm probably more talented. You just that's very motivating. I will say for me, like I feel like that sort of I saw that go one of two ways, where people would be like angry and bitter, and um, and that would sort of fuel them. But I, I somehow through enough therapy and luck, I felt like I learned how to be pleasantly persistent. And I'm telling you, when my friends started to get really famous and I wasn't, it's, that's when I started doing my comedy act, The Lampshades, which is Dying Lounge Act. We're doing that for 20 years. And, you know, we do like mashups of the 70s and 80s songs, but we, we were doing like every Saturday for five years. And then once I got the office, we continued to do it, but once every, um, like uh, what every Saturday, like the first Saturday of every month. So I kept it up, but it was just like a muscle where like there was something to, I had something to, to just put my energy into and to, and also like having a comedy act, it takes you, like you can do comedy festivals, you can do regular gigs, you can, you know, you can travel. I mean, it's, it was, a, it was a good, it was a it really, uh, for me, it was a really good move for my head and my heart because it kept me engaged. Do you have a favorite seventies or eighties song? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, or like do, artists or a few artists you just love. So many. It's funny. We do, we do a mashup of Mandy by Barry Manilow and Brandy by Looking Glass. And I love both of those songs. We kind of do, Mandy sort of sounds like the girl from Meet Benima, the way we do it. It's sort of upbeat. And this is like, if you're, if you're not a Manilow fan, like what we do is like super funky. Uh, but we also do like a Prince song. We do like When Doves Cry. I mean, there's so many great tunes from, you know, we do light fire. I mean, there's some really fun stuff that kind of, we do what you call like what I call like earworms. So it's not just like bad lounge. It's actually interesting music that kind of pushes forward. Prince is great. When Dad's crying, Mandy's great too. So, you know, <laughs> you have me sold. Who were your like comedic like inspirations? Well, for sure. Carol Burnett. Um, she was right up there. Uh, uh, that was appointment television. I actually, it's funny. She's been, the, the her show's been on uh, late night here. Um, and I, I find myself watching it again and just still laughing and feeling uh, like a kid. Uh, and then I also was a big fan of, of Mary Tyler Moore and that cast. So many strong women in that cast, Valerie Harper and uh, Betty White. Oh my God. Like really, really, truly funny, great writing. Uh, and that show had a great finale. Uh, great sitcom finale. It was one of really the first comedies to do that. So I feel like, I feel like we were in the history, the office was in the history of that. So we got to, I got to do a show with really funny people and we had a great finale. So if I get hit by a real car, like I'm fine. I'm good. It's hard to have a good finale. Yes, it is. Right. And I mean, yeah, like I'm not criticizing. I'm sure it's hard for writers and showrunners to come up with a good finale. And then let's face it, no one's ever really 100% happy. Right. This is true. 
do you think, you know, like, because you had your success, like, later in life, like, do you have a different relationship now to fame and success? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I would have been a real douchebag if that happened earlier. I'm pretty sure. And I think that just having a sense of um, perspective, constant perspective, you know, just remembering that there are things that are so out of our hands or there's perceptions just with, you know, people in different categories. You can't do everything you want to do. Even if you're, even if you're capable, it doesn't mean you're allowed, you know, and sometimes you have to give yourself permission to do it, but it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. But I think being older really helps. I, I could see that. Yeah. How did how did you get the office? Like, you just get a call? Like, was it because, you know, I know Steve Carell was back at the Second City Comedy Troupe. Like, is it, was it through that? Tell me about it. Yeah, I, I actually knew Steve. Uh, we were at Second City at the same time. We weren't in the same cast, but I knew him. Um, and uh, anyway, um, yeah, I just auditioned for the show. I actually initially had auditioned for the part of Jan um, and uh, did not get that. But um, I ended up... Uh, auditioning again and I replaced somebody from the pilot and um you know the rest as they say is history I didn't know if I was going to be in every episode I I didn't know I'm not sure if they knew I think they were just kind of figuring it all out so was anyone cast like did you know certain like did you know not did you know them but like did you know like certain names like oh wow Rain Wilson is attached to this or Steve Carell pretty much an unknown at that point I mean Steve I knew from Second City, but he wasn't famous. I knew Angela Kinsey because we were in a chick improv group called Bitch Planet for a couple years uh, in like 2000, 2001. So, yeah. Huh. And I, Dave Kackner, who played Todd Packer, because we were in Chicago together. We were in the same improv group and we, we did the show that we're like Brady Bunch in New York together. So there was a few, there was a little bit of crossover. Just a, could, could you tell, like, was there buzz? I mean, listen, you can never tell, right? But was there buzz like, oh, this is going to be a thing or you had no idea? Not first season. No, we had, we were hanging by a thread. Um, yeah. Great. We were, uh, friends had just ended. And uh, so the, the, the spinoff Joey was on. So we were, we were there to kind of, you know, they were trying, Joey was not that big of a success. So I feel like if Joey had been a hit, maybe there wouldn't be the office, but it, Joey, Joey didn't do that well, so we got a, a second chance. So I was still waiting tables for a season. I just wow. I was covering shifts during the week and working my Sunday brunch. And then I remember we stopped filming, and then the show finally aired, and I still had my job because I didn't know if we were going to get picked up. And there were some customers that were bitching because on Tuesday nights, because first we were on Tuesdays, everyone was around the TV looking at me <laughs> instead of like dealing with their tables and stuff. So, but eventually, like it, it, it all, it all worked out, and I got to leave, and we got to go to the upfronts, and and Steve Carell had Forty Year Old Virgin, which was a huge, huge, uh, it was a huge hope. Like before it even came out, it had so much buzz. So I feel like he had the buzz. We were just on his show. So then all of a sudden, the show. Luckily, the writing was as spectacular as it is on The Office, and it was kind of a perfect storm. Do you think that really was what it was? Because, right, like that first season, it comes out and it's, the ratings weren't good. Do you think it was really like 40-year-old version and then... I, big time. I remember being at the premiere and thinking, oh, my God, we are... I just could feel like we are... Something big is happening and, we, and I'm part of it. And I don't know what this is, but I've never felt this before. Wow. So that must be nice. Yeah, it was really profound. It was, it was awesome. And I mean, have you ever thanked Matt LeBlanc for Joey maybe not being a huge hit? <laughs> uh, not in person. 
but uh, you know, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you guys are psychically connected. It's funny. He's my boyfriend. Used to be. Uh, he, he, he's the NBC photographer, so he worked on Friends. So he knows Matt. But I, we've not had that conversation. Um, maybe the next time we show, I say. Maybe the next time you guys run into each other. <laughs> so right. So once you had that feeling, like, oh my God, this is going to be huge. I know like in the beginning, like you said, like you weren't in every scene or you weren't in like, you know, it's, it, you know, to me. I was there, I was in every scene, but I just didn't talk. That was a lot of what it was. And I really learned, you know, a lot of times actors kind of count lines or kind of figure out like well, what's going on. I felt like there was a chess game that was being played that at first I was unaware of, uh, but it, it, I, I loved it. I mean, I just love being the physical comedy person. I love being someone who comes up from the shadows and is suddenly relevant. And I don't know, I just thought the way they played the reveal of Meredith's character traits was subtle and, and incremental and kind of perfect. Is physical comedy harder than comedy comedy? Or is it easier? Or is it just uh, the same? for me because uh, I love it but um, but I certainly learned a lot about the camera day by day like kind of what works and what's too much and um, you know it was it was a real learning experience for me because I had mostly done stage before this Wow yeah I mean to me Meredith's character is kind of like Donna Meagle in Parks and Rec I don't know if you ever watched Parks and Rec sure. she was always there but that character grew yeah yeah was that you? Was that like you going to them and saying, was it like the fans like online making noise or it just kind of happened? I think it just kind of happened. I think they, you know, I think uh, our showrunner, Greg Daniels, he's so smart. You know, when you work in an office, you don't know everybody equally all the time. And some people you only know a little bit because they're nuts or they're weird. Yes. <laughs> it felt like it was kind of a perfect just strategy. Uh, and that feeling, that workplace feeling of not not everybody is equal. Like, you know, not everybody talks the same. Not everybody contributes the same. It's just, that's just not how it is in the real world. So for this documentary about a workplace, it's kind of perfectly played. Kind of. Yeah, I never thought of it like that, but that is true. It's like really organic. <laughs> I mean, do you think that was a strategy of theirs? Like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever asked. It doesn't matter. I'm just, this is how my mind thinks. Like, did they have that strategy of like, let's keep Meredith in the back and face her it, or you don't, not necessarily? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but I feel like, I, and I think they did have a strategy to sort of, you know, make, you know, kind of put the spotlight on people at different times, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, I can't exactly get into the brain of it, but uh uh, all I can say is I'm kind of the queen of less is more. I'm fine if I'm a little less, it's fine with me. You know, I, I like the fact that Meredith did not outwear her welcome. She didn't, she definitely did not outwear her welcome. <laughs> but listen, she was socially inappropriate. She loved her alcohol, right. sexually promiscuous. Shameless, completely uh, unapologetic, which I wish I would be more. I apologize all the time. I'm just like, I wish I could be more like Meredith in that respect. I was going to say, like, is there, like, how much of you is in Meredith? Uh, well, the fact that my dad owned a bar, I understand Meredith's. And I, I waited tables and bartended for so long. I've always, I knew a bunch of Meredith's. I really did. There was always, like, one woman that was drinking with the guys and kind of trouble. 
so yeah, I, I was very familiar with the beast of Meredith. Um, and, and it's funny because women will come up to me and say, I'm the Meredith of my office. Hey, and I'm like, oh my God, you're so loud and proud. You must be, that must be true. Right. Yeah. See, you've given a voice to all of these, you know, loud and proud office women drinkers. It's true. The party gals. What was the best thing about playing Meredith? Uh, oh my God, it's hard to pick one, but I had the most comfortable clothes. Uh, and I, I just felt like, I felt like I had the most um, specific vibe, like the most specific uh, energy between the minivan and just, I don't know, the barrettes in my hair and the cardigan sweaters and the one size fits all skirts, you know, just crazy. Um. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. But yeah, that and just being unapologetic. The clothes were, they, they seemed comfortable. Yes, I sort of was like a, like a drunken kindergarten teacher. Yeah. Is it, was there ever anything that you wanted Meredith to do? Like, you know, after a while, I imagine you had some say in this character. Like, was there ever any like storyline you really were like, I want Meredith to do this or let's go down this road? Not really. I mean, it's funny. They told me from the beginning that like, if Meredith doesn't sing. So if, if we're all singing, Meredith doesn't sing. So, which at first I was like, what what I can sing because I do sing but I get it I feel like sometimes characters morph uh when they sing and they kind of become somebody else and if they're too good it kind of whatever for whatever reason Meredith didn't sing so whenever I sang I had to act like I didn't sing so that was a it was a big challenge for me because I'm I'm a big singer actually I am a big singer I sing with Jane Lynch but it's just weird it's like a but it's a gift because again it's like you don't I don't know I just like the fact that Meredith did not change. She didn't morph. She didn't suddenly become super expositional with a lot of lines. I'm like, so I'm like, who is this? Like, it's almost like you lose what's funny about them because yeah. they're talking too much, you know, or just off, I don't know, just off in another direction. So yeah, I, I did not pitch a lot to, I mean, the only thing I pitched for the finale, they asked how they wanted Meredith to end up. And I said, I wanted her to be in a relationship with a cop because I thought, you know, DUIs should get them out, you know, <laughs> Kind of a happy ending, get a fella. Yeah. And what they did was very subtle, but um, my real boyfriend I met on the show, uh, Chris Haston, he's an NBC photographer. He's worked on everything from the Golden Girls to Friends, Will and Grace. I mean, every, everything, everything. Um, and uh, <laughs> they put him in the finale. He's a photographer in the uh, scene where Pam 
reveals her mural, and he's got a couple lines there. And then he's dancing with Meredith at Dwight and Angela's wedding when Michael Scott and Dwight are dancing. So I'm actually dancing with my real boyfriend. So I love that that lives uh, in uh, infamy and that exists. And he sometimes, my, Chris will get stopped from being- Really? It's, it's, crazy. it's crazy. Was that was that his first time like on TV, having like worked on all these shows? He's had like a little bit here and there, but yeah, that was the first major, you know, major. Yeah. That's so funny. He, he actually gets that. Listen, Office fans are, I mean, does that shock you? Like when Office fans are that diehard that they could like recognize? It doesn't shock me anymore. It did at first, but it's definitely, yeah. It's at first, like when the culture was like, oh my God, they were just going crazy for everything. Uh, you know, and it was, it was, yeah, it was awesome at first. I mean, I, I get recognized through the back of my head. <laughs> it's crazy. Really? Yeah. Do you get used to that? I mean, or is it is it great? Is it like strange at times? Uh, once in a while, it's strange. Like at funerals, <laughs> just, I just want to go. Like, I'm not the star of this funeral. There's somebody else here, right? <laughs> but, and that, yeah, and that's like a fine line. If someone's like, "Can I have a picture with you?" and it's a funeral, right, 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 right. But I also understand. Like, I've been that person because I used to wait on a lot of famous people. And every once in a while, I take a chance and compliment them or tell them what they meant to me. And sometimes that backfired. That was a big mistake. They were not in the mood to hear that. So I understand what it's like to be a person. Because even though it may be the hundredth time for me that day, it, it's that person's first time. And they're just having a revelation. And they have a relationship with the show. And I totally get that. So I never want to be a douchebag because I, I understand that. I really do. Right. No, that makes sense. Who did you wait on that you said, oh my God, I love you. And they were just not in the mood to hear that. Uh, um, there were a few, like, I mean, I used to wait on some old, like old MGM stars, like Ann Miller. She was obviously like in the uh, very, very old at the time. And uh, yeah, she was, she was not, she was not in the mood, but I used to wait on uh, Mel Brooks and Ann Bancroft and they were lovely and wonderful and fantastic. And, everything you would want them to be. So there, there were people that were worth it, like taking the risk. So I always felt like damned if you say something and damned if you don't. So if I wasn't feeling too vulnerable, I'm like, uh, what the hell? Yes. Right. And like, if they really resonated with you, it's almost like this person may never be in front of me again. Right. Right. It's so true. And I used to wait on uh, Billy Wilder, the director. I mean, he's such an icon, but he, he was not really interested in having, I mean, I think I waited on him literally like twice a week for like four years. And I don't think he, he could pick me out of a lineup. <laughs> wow. But, he, he, never, he never made the connection that, wait, there's my waitress and now she's on the office. No, I think he, he died right before that. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We did not have a moment, but that's okay. There were uh, people that did uh, recognize me and, and remember like J.J. Abrams. I used to wait on J.J. and his writers and, Oh my God, he's been uh, wonderful. He actually ended up directing an episode of The Office and I've seen him since at award shows. He's like, you were a waitress. I mean, stuff like that is fantastic. Yeah. When- Sullivan, one of the executives at NBC, like I used to wait on him. I mean, it's just like, he's like, oh my God. You know, it's it's interesting for the people that that were paying attention at that time because a lot of times there's people that I deal with now who I waited on who don't remember me as a waiter and they don't know that I remember them as um, maybe not the easiest person or the nicest person. So uh, karma's a bitch, right? I mean, no, I don't mean it like that, but I no. mean, 
There's, it's true. I, I, don't need to, I don't need to act out on that, but I know something that they don't know that I know. And that's, you know, it says a lot when you're a jerk to a waiter. I'm just saying. I was just going to say, this is why you have to always be nice to like wait stuff. I'm just one of those, it takes me so much. Like you have to really give me, and I'm from New York. Like it takes me like, you have to give me such an attitude and be in my face for me to be upset with you. Like I just, I don't know. No, totally. I feel like I, yeah. Like you're sitting there and having someone bring you the food that you want and the drinks that you want. Like, what's the problem? Right. No, no, no. And I think particularly in Beverly Hills, I felt like people would take their day out on us a little bit on the waiters and, you know, kind of whatever power they felt like they didn't have during the day they were going to, you know, have over their chicken Caesar salad. All right. Okay. You know, whatever it was. (laughs) Right. You're just like, what TV, are you a big TV person? Like, do you watch other... Oh, yeah. No, I do. I, I, it's funny. Right now, I've, I've been watching um, Cobra Kai. Um, and I just, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this. I just started work, watching Ray Donovan, which is such a good show. And I'm so mad because we used to see those guys at award shows and I didn't, I didn't watch it. I mean, there's only so much you can watch at certain times, but. I actually never rot, watched Ray Donovan, but really, I've heard. It's really good. I've it's, heard it's really good. Good pandemic one if you guys want to, you know. I'll have to add that to my list. Cobra Kai is fun too. I know Billy Zapka and I'm so, I love the way they've twisted the story from the Karate Kid to this series and that they're getting all the people back. It's so funny and smart and uh, it, yeah, it's so great. And I just, I love the fact that they did this movie, you know, like 35 years ago and they're all kind of having the last laugh. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Wait, I have another question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, listen, I love being the host of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, but bringing you guys five shows a week, tracking down the top Bravo celebrities to bring you new creative content every day, that causes me stress. It causes me anxiety. I'm not even going to get into the lack of sleep or lack of a relationship. So I needed somewhere to turn. And for me, I turned to BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp because it's professional counseling right from the comfort of your own home. What they do is they match you with a licensed therapist who's a professional that fits your needs and the things that you want to talk about. So you may not have the same issues as I do. They also deal with LGBTQIA issues anger, grief, trauma. If you are having relationship issues, if you're in a relationship, good for you. I'm not. They really deal with everything and everything you share is confidential. So I cannot stress how much because of this job that I love so much, it has caused me some issues and better help really is a lifesaver. Right now, if you guys also want to start living a happier life, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Velvet Rope. And as a listener, you guys get 10% off your first month. Try it. I promise you, you are going to feel so much better once you talk to one of their licensed professional counselors. And listen, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. DM me. Let me know how it goes. This has been a lifesaver for me. 
I've, I haven't seen that either, but I've heard it's good. But Ray Donovan, especially, is my type of show. Yes, for sure. When you, like, started The Office and then, like, you know, it, before it blew up, like, was there a piece of advice that someone gave you, you know, like, when it started getting bigger and you uh, were now a household name? Well, I think, you know, just um, keep it all in perspective because it could be a short shelf life. And, I mean, luckily, The Office has not been, but but you never know. You never, I mean, there were some shows on NBC when, you know, like My Name is Earl. And I feel like there aren't really any re- reruns of My Name is Earl. It's weird. You don't know what's going to become the cultural pop. But, uh, you know, we, we certainly did. But I think, you know, I, I remember getting advice, like, just enjoy everything. And, uh, you know, if you get invited, if you can go, go. So I was, I, you know, I mean, I went to a ton of premieres and tons of parties and we were nominated for everything. So I, we always had a great time. I mean, I, I know some people that were very picky about what they were going to show up at. They were very image conscious. And I was sort of like, you know what, <laughs> the parties now. Also, it was recommended to me to get a publicist right away. Don't wait for another role. Like, just do it. And, and I'm so glad I did because I didn't know what it was going to turn out to be. But I feel like it was, it's just been a gift to have, um, the opportunity to do talk shows and I mean the first time that Meredith got when uh, Meredith got hit by the car in season four uh Joaquin Phoenix canceled at the last minute on the tonight show so they asked me if I would take his place so I I was you know it was pretty surreal and my boyfriend was taking the place of the, the photographer on Leno so they ended up talking about both of us it was nuts like they put the camera on him but I just feel like sometimes life has these fun things that you don't expect and if you're open to them I mean, I understand some people have a real strategy with their career and I totally get it. You got to do what you got to do. But at a certain point, like if you're not having fun for me, um, I definitely embraced the fun. You know, like um, six years ago, Jane Lynch asked if I would sing with her for her act because Glee was ending and the office was over. So we were, we were like, you know, I'd known Jane for years. I was her understudy in Chicago uh, and we had such a great time and the show was so fun and it just kind of took off and we got to do it. We've gotten to do it all over the country. And then we, we had a Christmas album uh, a couple years later. We, we do big Christmas tours. We will do them again. Can't wait. Um, but the album did really well. It was number six on the, no, number eight on the billboard top 10. Wow. Yeah. So it's really fun. So I feel like we kind of have this annual gig. Uh, so like I'm contractually obligated to, to spend Christmas with Jane Lynch for the rest of my life. Which is fine with me. We have a great time. That would be fine with me too. <laughs> I'm 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 a yes person too. I mean, I I get it too. Like there are people that say like you know are very conscious about what they appear in or like. But I am just one of those people. I don't know. I feel at least for me and like this career, there are people that I've said yes to that are technically smaller and then that's led to things like i'm like wait you and i have bonded and you're like best friends with this one over here and now i can talk to this person like i'm like this never would have happened if i didn't say yes to having you come on my show and just that's one example but i just feel like everything i'm just a yes person yeah and i think i think it's listening to your gut too and having some faith and uh i think that if you're super cautious all the time i don't know how much fun you're having (laughs) yeah Um, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, but I, I do feel like there's, there's a lot of kismet and there's a lot of goodwill if you see it. I think so. Were you really, how'd you handle the end of the office? Just kind of like, oh, it was time, really upset. Um, some of each. I mean, I definitely could have done nine more seasons for sure. 
no, no doubt about it. But I understand, and I, I felt like there was something sacred about ending on our terms and getting a great finale and not just getting yanked off the air or just kind of falling into oblivion or, or falling into a place that like, the show has kind of morphed into something that kind of used to be, but it's not anymore. And, you know, so I feel very, very proud. It was super emotional. Shooting the finale, I felt like was, we, it was such a big two week uh, deal. It was, you know, like shooting a mini movie. And I felt as if they were kind of distracting us with this shiny object of being in all these different places and all these plot lines tied up. So we couldn't focus on how sad we were. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine ending something, you know, but like you said, it ended on your terms. Yeah. And I feel like uh, endings of hit shows are really graduations. You're just graduating. It's like, it's, you were a senior for a while. You had a great run and now it's time to be a freshman again. And we don't know what the freshman year is going to bring, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Is that hard when something like that ends in the sense of like, then did you get typecast? Like when you went to start looking for roles or you were pretty lucky to, I mean, cause you've got, I mean, you've worked. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of type, typecasting with me sometimes, but I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of some of it. Like, I feel like I've gotten to do some really fun indie films and some fun guest star stuff. And, you know, I feel like, I don't know, um, every once in a while, like there's something where you go, oh my God, like, I, I just feel so lucky I get to do this. And I, I was on a cartoon for a long time on Cartoon Network, OKKO, OK and I've done like five episodes of Steven Universe. And that's really been really, really, really fun. And just a ton of like festivals. I've been to Sundance and um, with the movie Cooties and I've been to, um, the, um, uh, sorry, the, uh, Tribeca film festival with a couple films and it just, you know, Toronto, I mean, just really, really fun. And I've gotten to do a lot of comedy festivals. So to me, that's like connecting with people that I love and getting to see people I know, but maybe don't get to work with all the time. And it's, it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches sometimes, you know? Yeah, seriously. Listen, there's nothing wrong with going from, you know, Sundance to Tribeca to Toronto. It's true. And actually, I was supposed to be in uh, uh, South by Southwest this past year, but of course, they canceled it. I'm, I'm doing a new movie called Golden Arm uh, with uh, um, Betsy Sodaro and Mary Holidays. And it's a, it's a female comedy about, no, it's not female comedy. It's a comedy about female arm wrestlers. It's called Golden Arm. Really? Yeah, it's coming out uh, next month. Oh wow! Yeah, that uh, you. A lot of comedians are. It's gonna be fun. Did you watch Glow on Netflix? I mean, I know that wasn't yeah, arm. Yeah, I loved Glow. What a great show! What a I great just show. talked to Jackie Tan from there. It's that show was so good. I'm so sorry that it ended so quickly. Again, like you don't know when you're gonna, when you're just gonna. Yeah, you don't know. And this is just, it's just arm wrestling. It's not full body wrestling, but that's, that's like hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> wow. That's, listen, I, I don't need to know anymore. Like that sounds great, but yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you, what did you learn through research for that, for Golden Arm? Like as um, far as, I mean, like, do well, you actually, no, go I, on. I was going to say like, do you. Like, how do you research a part like that? Uh, well, you know, we literally had like lessons on how to how to arm wrestle. Don't mess it up. Um, it was a pretty quick process, though, because I it was 
uh, it was an indie film. So it was like, there, I didn't have a whole lot of time ahead of time. It was, we were shooting in Oklahoma and it was uh, super stormy weather. We were really trying to, trying to get, pack a lot in, in a short period of time. We had to do a lot of improvising to, for some outside scenes because of some uh, crazy lightning storms. <laughs> um, wow. But to, under the time and stuff, we they we did did some quick rewrites, and luckily I can improvise, and we we, you know, which which helped. But you know, it's it's you know, it's good writing too, so you feel like you're in good hands. So I'm I'm excited. It's 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 going to be in theaters, and then uh, we're going to go to HBO eventually. So it'll be fun. Oh God! Jones from Glee is in it too. She and she used to be a real arm wrestler. She was actually a champ. Um, Who was so, it? You like broke up for a second. Oh, sorry, Dot Marie Jones from oh. Glee. But she's playing. Uh, she's she's a, a she's in the film, and she uh, she was actually a, a world class arm wrestler. Really? Yeah. She's funny. She is funny. Yeah. Did you watch Glee? You uh, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was I gonna was, say you. Yeah. I was gonna say you don't have to say yes just because you know Jane Lynch no, might get I, mad. With and many times with Jane, we actually was sometimes would rehearse in her trailer at Paramount. Uh, we had a couple like last minute things. We were just, it was like just the very beginning of our process of working together. So, and we were so lucky we got to play the Kennedy Center and like a million performing arts centers, Joe's Pub in New York. And oh my God, so, so many like just, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's been like such a joy. We sing with the Tony Guerrero Quintet. It's, it's really fun. Joe's awesome. Pub is the next time you guys come to New York, I'll have to come because yeah, we were at the Carlisle for a couple of weeks in, in uh, 2018. We did a residency there where we got to stay there. That was totally like otherworldly, you know, next level cabaret, anti-cabaret stuff. I say anti-cabaret because we're pretty, yeah, we're, 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 um, yeah, we're, we're kind of, there's no limits. I feel like some cabaret has limits, but we have, we have none. That's so funny. Well, I, yeah, I would imagine you and Jane Lynch together probably have no limits. Yeah, we're sort of heightened versions of ourselves. So she's a little Sue Sylvester and I'm a little Meredith. So it's it's interesting. She's kind of like the nun wrapping me on the knuckles. And I'm sort of like the sheepdog knocking everything over. So, But like Meredith and Sue would get along in real life. Absolutely. And I feel like we're, I always describe the show as uh, we're like the Rat Pack, but with a couple of broads. So. I love it. What about, did, how did The Office change you? You know, other than, okay, now you're famous and, you know, you have a career and the doors are open. Like, did it change you as a person fundamentally? I'm a much, uh, I think I'm a much um, happier person. I think, I mean, not that I wasn't before, but I feel like there's something about when you get, when you when you get a dream, when when a dream comes true in your life, it really validates so much. And I think for my family, like, you know, I was 40 and I think, my, my family is very supportive, but I think they were sort of like, uh, I remember my dad said, like literally right before I got the office, he said, sure there's nothing else you want to do. And I was like, oh my God, he never said that to me. So I thought, oh my God, maybe I, you know, but then I, I really actually had a, an examining moment and thought, you know, if I still was waiting tables and doing my comedy act, if that was just what I was supposed to do, I think I would have been okay with that. But uh, of course I'm much happier that the office happened and the fans are incredible. I mean, and I feel like as an artist, it's allowed me to do things I didn't expect, like singing and, and singing legitimately. And then also, you know, doing Dancing with the Stars was like a huge, crazy uh, journey for me. I really had a great time. It was really, really hard, but it was so, the process was so amazing for me. And then I got to do the tour 
I did, uh, I got to do 45 of my 54 shows, but I, I was doing more shows than anybody. And I was the oldest contestant in the, uh, in the tours or, you know, so it was crazy. And for most of the show. How did that come about? Like, did you want to go on Dancing with the Stars? Like, or just. They actually approached me and I sort of thought, this is nuts. Like I'm too old for this. And I hadn't danced since I was in college. And I thought, I don't even know if I can do this, but they were extremely persistent. And I thought, you know what? let's just give this a shot. And my, luckily my partner, uh, he was near the show, uh, Pasha Pashkov, he and his wife, Daniela, they just got out of competition. They're literally seven time national champs, Blackpool champs, world champs. Like they were, I mean, I had no business dancing with this guy, <laughs> you know, with the uh, 20, you know, 20 years difference. And, uh, I think I had a few pounds on him when I started, I lost a little weight, but, but he, he was amazing and just a great teacher and just a great energy. And, just this whole art form was open to me and uh, sure it's a competition, but I just love the daily process. It was really, really interesting and fun. Was it really, I mean, as hard as I'm thinking it is? Yeah. 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 You start four hours a day, you quickly, quickly go to eight. Uh, and it really is. Um, I think the first two weeks you get a day off and then after that you don't get a day off. So uh, it's, it's a lot and the world is watching. So it feels like, uh, well, you made it pretty far. I did. No, I'm I'm pleased. And I feel like even though I didn't win, getting to do the tour and getting to host and dance at Radio City and the Grand Ole Opry, that was a huge, huge gift to me. I really, again, like I love to connect with fans and I love live theater. So for me, it was like just very uh, profound and, and, um, and fantastic. You know, I mean, like these magical moments where you like, I don't think we did a show without... I think the smallest crowd we ever did was 2,500 people. It was huge. I mean, Radio City, 6,000 people sold out. I mean, it was nuts. That's about as close as I'm going to probably get to playing a stadium. That's fine with me. <laughs> That's another show with just like a huge, rabid following all these years later. Oh, true. Yeah, the fans are wonderful, fantastic. And I feel like I made some friends for life. Who, well, who were? Like, did you bond with, like, the Beak from the Creek, Mr. James Vanderbeek, or Karamo, or? No, it's funny. Um, uh, James and I had done a bunch of game shows. We did Match Game, and uh, I think we did The Soup together a few times. So I, so I knew James. So, yeah. I still think he got robbed. He should have won. <laughs> I crazy. think so. Yeah. What oh, about, did you bond with like Karamo or Hannah? Karamo's uh, great. He's, he's a sweetheart. They were shooting in Philadelphia when we first started and I'm from Philly because he was still finishing up. Um, when we did Good Morning America, when they announced the cast, he was still in Philly doing um, uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy that season they were in Philly. So yeah, no, he's, I love his kids. He's, he's, he's a good guy. Do you watch The Bachelor? Speaking of Hannah Brown. <laughs> I watched a little, I just watched the first two. I'm not a big, I'm not a big bachelor person. Sorry. Hannah. Uh, yeah. But, um, Are you I a was, big? I know like Hannah won. I used to make the joke in the tour. Like um, she doesn't know how to date, but she does know how to dance. So that's kind of funny. Do you, are you a big? I get David just kind of. It no, okay. It's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just trying to, yes, it's, it is really funny. Honestly. <laughs> Do you watch reality TV or you just never got into like any reality? Not my thing. I mean, it's not exactly my thing. Sorry. I, I will do that okay. sometimes, but yeah, it's not. Yeah. I watch a little bit of the, of the masked singer and a little bit of the masked dancer because uh, Craig Robinson is hosting my buddy from the office. So, well, maybe you'll be on the masked singer or the masked dancer. 
see. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think I might, uh, I might wipe out. It was hard enough to just dance with my head on, let alone with a head on top of that. I don't know. Well, I mean, look, you have dancing in your background. You have singing in your, but you're kind of right for both shows. Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah. <laughs> what about, are you shocked on Dancing with the Stars? Like, do you still watch Dancing with the Stars? Are you shocked like Tom Bergeron is out and Tyra is the new host? Tom is the greatest, but I, you know, I mean, I think Tyra's doing great. You know, it's, it's, it's a bummer because I feel like there was so much, uh, the fans really love Tom. There's so much heart, but you know, change happens. And, uh, um, some people get a season. I mean, Tom was on for years and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, these are, they're big risks when they do this, but at the same time, like there's an evolution and, uh, well, they're, they're about to hit their 30th season. So, which is crazy. Crazy. It is. It, 30 seasons is crazy. Well, another show that you've been on since The Office, which is one of my absolute favorite shows, the one and only American, American Housewife. Yeah. yeah. Miss Katie Mixon. That's, so, is that a fun part? So fun. Yeah. I love playing uh, um, the crossing guard who, <laughs> who gets in constant fights with uh, Katie Mixon's character. She's awesome. She's really awesome. And those kids, I actually knew uh, um, Daniel DiMaggio since he was little because his mom and dad are friends of mine. So funny. I remember like going to his birthday party for years when he was a little kid. So funny. And now wow. he's on the show. It's so awesome. The crossing guard is, st- you steal every scene you're in. Let me just tell you. <laughs> well, we, Nancy and I, I mean, I'm sorry, crossing guard Nancy, we have all, the only thing I feel like she had in common with Meredith is like, there's literally a scene where, I tackle Katie's character in the street. So we had to hit this one giant pad and it's like, don't, you know, and I literally had to throw Katie in the pad. I thought, don't kill the star of the show. Don't hurt her. So it was like, we had to do our own stunt and it was, it was awesome. (laughs) Is it, is it easy going in like just to be a guest star, you know, after? Uh, In general, it's not. I mean, that show, yes. Uh, uh, it's easier when it's first season, and that was the first season. But uh, sometimes it's really hard. Uh, you're, you know, I mean, I, I was a little intimidated um, by by some casts, but so I mean, they're and, and they're all great. Don't get me wrong, but they're they're so used to their routine and and people coming and going and and uh, you know, in general, everybody's been pretty great. Uh, but it, it is it's it's a lot because you're kind of trying to fit in their rhythm, and you don't have much time to figure it out, like what the rhythm is. What about, you know, there's always this talk, there's all these reboots, there's, you know, we always hear about The Office. We do. We've heard about reboots. That's all I'm hearing is possible reboots, but I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. We'll see. We'll are see. you, do you have a strong feeling, like, either way? Are you one of those, like... I would love to do it. I'm not the one holding it up. Uh, I'm sure there's been a lot of talks, but I will tell you, this. the most interesting thing about what's happening with Peacock is that they are doing these, what they call super fan episodes, and what they've done is reassemble a bunch of classic episodes and they they're putting in these deleted scenes that no one's ever seen before. Cause I've been actually doing ADR for a couple of them uh, because the voice, like they, like there were voice corrections that had to happen. Like they didn't digitize all these scenes. So there's a scene that like, there's an episode where, where it's longer and um, storylines are explored. Like it's kind of like the room is bigger. Like all of a sudden there's a hallway and a door opens and you're like, Oh my God, this is so weird. And it's us from back in the day. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. So it feels, I mean, it is new material for most people. I saw one, I love stuff I totally forgot shooting and it's, it's really a fun thing. So if you, if you don't have Peacock and you're a big office fan, like you might need to get it even just for a little bit. I think it'll, it'll be Yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. Like when it came to Peacock, I mean, that was, people were, what about if there is a reboot, like, you know, I know you're not writing it, but where is Meredith right now? Like in your mind, you tell us where Meredith is and what is she up to? She's in her basement, uh, in her drinking in her basement, working from home because there's a pandemic. But she's like a cockroach. She will survive. I'm sure of it. Well, to your point, I mean, I never even thought of that, but that would be interesting, you know, like, because shows do have a pandemic angle now. I mean, that would be interesting if The Office came back. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what about, like, say that in 10, 20 years, The Office came back and they were recasting or, you know, with like a new, or even say now they were recasting and like, you can't play Meredith. Like, who... Who who would you like to choose to play Meredith amongst some of? Um, I I I I don't even want to answer that question. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that is that like just an inappropriate question to ask you? Uh, right now, yes, David. No, no, no. Sorry. I mean, I, no, that's okay. I mean, I always think of that. There's a joke. You know, there's one of the I remember it was like season nine where Daryl says, uh, uh, "Look at Meredith. She's kind of got an Emma Stone thing going on." <laughs> because we both have red hair so i'm gonna say emma stone yeah she would be good do you listen to the office deep dive with brian baumgartner it's a that podcast is it's awesome yeah i i I did uh a big sit down with david with uh with brian and uh yeah we had we had yeah i mean i don't listen to it all the time but i've listened to some of it i think it's great i listen to the oral history and i know the deep dive is like a little more um uh, more that, uh, you know, they, they saved all the audio of what we did. So they're, they're, um, they're getting more in depth, obviously in the deep dive. It is literally in like on the TV and film charts, I think one, two or three, like every single day. Oh, awesome. I mean, like it never leaves the top five or the top three. So that's, that's awesome. From someone who checks the TV and film podcast charts on a daily basis, let me tell you that is up there. What else are you working on? What else do you have going on? Golden Arm, everyone needs to go see. Uh, I'm, I'll be on Kelly Clarkson on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and anything else after that, I can't talk about or I don't know. So, <laughs> And hopefully uh, this Christmas, Jane Lynch and I will be touring. I'm hoping that all works out. I would love to come see you guys when you come to New York. I'm going to have to come. Before we go, final like one or two questions. What is, because I know we talked about the rabid fandom of The Office. What is like the craziest thing a fan has done? Uh, I got dragged into, I've gotten, this happened more than once. I've gotten dragged into uh, people's wedding photos. Like I've been in a hotel and, you know, one of the bridesmaids will, only I'm like standing next to the, or in between the bride and the groom. So I don't know. I hope the marriage lasts. I hope you're not looking at your pictures years later going, who the hell's that? 
you're just like walking by or leaving the lobby or there's a, there it is. And you, someone's like, Oh my God, that's Meredith from the office. Right. Wow. Yeah. Let's hope the marriage lasts. (laughs) And then finally, before we wrap up, I have my own agenda. Thank you for answering all my questions, but anything else I didn't bring up that you would like to cover you, anything else that I Uh, didn't touch upon? I always like to give people a chance at the end. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'm, yeah, I just, uh, I just feel like, um, hmm. yeah, no, I, I can't, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> well, golden arm sounds amazing. It'll be fun. Yeah. I'll be seeing it. And you know, with you're on Seth Meyers, you're on Kelly Clarkson. Thank you for fitting the behind the velvet rope podcast into your busy sure. schedule. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, and thanks for, uh, Thanks for still caring about the office. I do. Do you ever get tired of people, you know, cause like I ask a lot of people that, I mean, I have people on from, you know, Melrose Place, Nine or whatever old show, Friends, like, does that ever get tiring or you're just- I had such a great time on working on the office uh, and I feel like it's a joy to revisit it. And, and I know not every actor feels that way about projects, but it's easy to reminisce. It's easy to talk about cause it was just one of the best experiences in my life. That's good. Cause I, I agree with you. I don't think I'm always, it's like this fine line when I have people on, I'm always like, we're not going to talk only about this, but am I talking about this too much? Where, well, that's good that um, that you're not upset with me. Where can everybody find you online? Uh, on Instagram at the real Kate Flannery on Twitter at Kate Flannery, Instagram. Sorry. Yes. I already did Instagram. Uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Facebook that much. I'm, I'm kind of bad about Facebook, but I am. Uh, yeah. There's a fan page uh, at Kate Flannery. It's but, all about the gram and Twitter. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I, I used to love Facebook, but it's like, once I start with a rabbit hole, I'm just like, I can't even, I get sucked in. I agree with you. I check Facebook like once every month and I check Instagram like once every 15 minutes. So I exactly. get it. Exactly. And then I'm also on Cameo. Uh, there's a few of us from the office on cameo and, uh, I'm, um, happy to, uh, wish your, uh, your friend a happy 21st birthday for being legal. You know, I, I do a lot of, like, a lot of messages for a lot of people and, uh, it's kind of a joy, um, to, it's just like another way to connect with people. So I like it. Yeah. And, you know, I assume they want the Meredith drunk slant on their cameos many times. Yep. Perfect for a 21st birthday. Right. And bachelorette party and birthday and anything like I've, I've uh, had proposed, I've done proposals. I've done like trying to get people back together. Wow. Uh, yeah. There's, there's been a lot. It's been a lot. Yeah. I love it's, it. It's a 16 year old when they first start trying, uh, starting to drive uh, as, you know, as a character who got hit by a car, I'm just like, take it easy. So yeah. So many tie-ins. I love it. Thank you. Everyone needs to follow you, book you on Cameo, see Golden Arm. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Take care. Take care. care. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. 
because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. <laughs>